And we welcome you to this edition of Tuesday People. I'm Mitch Album, your host for this podcast, inspired by the book Tuesdays with Maury, which I wrote back in 1995, and the questions that were asked alongside my old college professor as he was dying from Lou Gehrig's disease. And the answers I got to those questions still resonate greatly today. We've used them as a basis for this podcast to launch off into all kinds of topics and got an interesting one today based on an interesting experience that I went through over the course of the last week. First, a quick hello to my friend and co-host, Lisa Goitsch. Lisa, how are you? I am so happy you are here, Mitch, and that I am looking at your face. Let me tell you, I was worried beyond worried about you, as were all of our Tuesday People listeners. Well, I I appreciate the worry. I am okay. I am back. Uh, But this is what I, I thought as I was flying home from Haiti, and that's what this is all about. What an interesting lesson I learned there and how it related back to something Maury had told me. So let me set the stage for you here because it's it's pretty interesting. For those of you who are just uh, joining us or don't know anything about my background or things that I do, so uh, I have an orphanage that I operate in Haiti uh, that I've been doing since 2010. So we're coming up on 12 years and I'm there every month and it's a wonderful part of my life. It's a huge part of my life. As someone who doesn't have children, natural children of his own, I have uh, a good 50-plus children that I call my kids and that I take care of, and it is a joy to be there uh, and to deal with these young people. And they come from all kinds of very difficult backgrounds, including having lost their parents in earthquakes or hurricanes, having been homeless, having been abandoned, having been left to die in the woods or at malnutrition centers or places where nobody came back for them. Their stories are are often tragic in beginning, but they're beautiful by the end because they come, they stay with us. Uh, We educate them, we feed them, we take care of them for every need that they have. And uh, when they're 18, 19 and have graduated our school, they have college scholarships waiting for them in the United States to study their field and then to come back to Haiti and make their country a better place. So it's well worth what I'm trying to say, well worth the risk. When I say the risk, Haiti is a risky place. Haiti has been in turmoil ever since 1804, when, as the only successful slave revolution in the history of the world, they threw out the French and took over their own country. And then, starting in 2004, they discovered that nobody wanted to trade with them because nobody wanted to trade with a country where the slaves had revolted because that might give ideas to the slaves that were still being used in the other countries, including America. And the French basically uh, threatened them, saying, if you don't give us money, send us millions of dollars every year, we're going to come back and attack you. Now, it seems a little weird because they just beat them and threw them out. Why would they be afraid of them coming back? But for whatever reason, they did it. They sent them millions of dollars crippling their economy. So there was no Ah. money, basically, for this fledgling country. And then a series of bad uh, dictators and and sycophants and and, uh, uh, people who just believed that there was a ruling class there led to one bad regime after another, terrible decisions, economic decisions, and then awful luck in terms of just hurricanes, earthquakes, 
fires, things that just damaged the land, so that at one point, Haiti, Haiti had been responsible for a fifth of the agriculture for France. Can you imagine that? This little island. Wow. Provided one-fifth of the food for France. Wow. They exported more uh, food to France than the colonies did back to England in the early days of America. So here was this once rich, fertile land that slowly had been debilitated by bad decisions, bad leaders, bad luck, bad fortune, and now is the second poorest country in the world and the poorest in this part of the world, the Western Hemisphere, and is constantly in a state of turmoil. Well, on Tuesday of last week, speaking of Tuesdays, we took our kids for the first time in nearly two years, we took them out of the orphanage because they were going totally stir-crazy being in there. I mean, two years without exiting. We used to always take field trips. We would go play soccer on this nearby school field, or once in a while we'd go to the beach or a pool or up to the mountains or something. And, you know, there was a sense of being able to get out. And we were certain kids, if they did really well, we rewarded them by by going to a restaurant or a pizza place. We have had none of that since COVID. And then since the kidnappings that are going on in the streets there and the protests and the manifestations. So on Tuesday, we took this trip out and we went to the beach. We took two buses. We had a police escort. And I said, let's just do it. We have to give the kids something to you know, latch on to. Can't have another summer of lockdown. And so we went to the beach and we had an incredible day. Kids loved mm-hmm. it. And they were in the ocean and they were in the pool and they got nice. to eat like a lunch at a restaurant. They never stopped yelling and squealing and smiling and, and, and <laughs> singing. It was so great. And of course, on the bus ride home, they were zonked and they all went out. You know, everybody <laughs> was asleep. It was just a great day, and they, they went to sleep so happy, and I went to sleep happy. And at 5.30 in the morning, my phone pinged, and it was a text from a good friend of mine in Haiti who's Haitian and has been in Haiti. His family's been in Haiti for almost 200 years. And the text was, the president of Haiti has been assassinated. Do not go out. Cancel all visits. Wait until you hear from me. This was wow. 5.30 in the morning. And from that point until we left, it was one of the most stressful periods of time of my life because the president was assassinated in his home by armed commandos who reportedly shot him 13 times, including in the head, and gouged his eye out and broke ah. his jaw and a bunch of other things. It really looked like they really Jeez. did him over while not killing a single security guard or even a dog. So, of course, it made people wonder, wait a minute, 28 guys yeah, come in and nobody suspect. else gets... Yeah. And yeah. so they're still, to this moment, as we're broadcasting this, trying to figure out who was behind this. And many of the people who were there were foreign. They were Colombian. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of them were Haitian-Americans. So now all of a sudden, and this is, this is what Haiti is, this is such typical Haiti, uh, the line of succession in Haiti is not as organized as it is here. I lived through another presidential assassination, 1963, when John F. Kennedy was assassinated. And I was just a kid in kindergarten back then. And I remember they ushered us into a little room 
And uh, there was, we were watching on television uh, in black and white. Something that had happened, we really didn't understand it. And then the teachers were all crying, and then they sent us home. But if you remember back that far, if you're that old, the vice president, Lyndon Johnson, took over. The suspect, Lee Harvey Oswald, was arrested quickly. He was subsequently murdered by Jack Ruby, who was also arrested. Mm -hmm. Uh, There was an investigation called the Warren Commission. They came to their conclusions on it. Uh, There was never a disruption in power. There was never rioting in the streets over who, who should take charge. But that's not the way it works in Haiti. In Haiti, the next in line after the president is the head of the Supreme Court. Unfortunately, the head of the Supreme Court died from COVID-19 two weeks earlier. So he was out. The next person in line would be the prime minister. However, the prime minister had just been fired by the president who had just been murdered a week before. And so he was out. A new prime minister had had been named, but this prime minister had to be ratified by the parliament before he actually had his job. And the parliament had been disbanded months ago by the president. So there was no parliament. So the new prime minister couldn't be sworn in. There were only 10 people running the government. 10. I'm not exaggerating. 10 people running the government for nearly 11 million people. 10 people. Wow. So the power grab, you could just imagine what's going on there now. Consequently, uh, the old prime minister kind of seized control and he put the country under martial law. Martial law is, of course, the military runs everything. There are curfews. There's no freedom of the press. Uh, you do what the government tells you to do or you get shot, you know, that kind of thing. They closed the airports. They closed the borders. And we lost our power, what little power we get from the city, for three straight days, didn't have an ounce of electricity. On top of that, we were warned that orphanages, often in times like this, can become targets because they assume that orphanages have food or are getting some kind of relief. Oh, geez. There's also the fear that with lawlessness, they can grab kids and uh. human traffic them. Teenagers, you know, teenage girls. There are plenty of them oh at our God. orphanage. And so we had to pull all the ranks in. During the course of the day, on the advice of my friend in Haiti, he said, you've got to get more security. We were able to locate two police officers, plainclothes police officers, who we were able to hire, but they demanded extraordinary amount of money for Haiti. And um, we hired them. They moved in with us. They got up on the walls and on the rooftops. Uh, We had a guy with us who was kind of an expert in security, and he was saying, okay, we need to get the kids. If, If we get breached, if somebody comes over the walls, you know, we don't have any weapons to defend ourselves. Our security guard only, our our first security guard had had an old pistol with five bullets in it total. Oh, my God. Uh, the other guy had a shotgun with two bullets in it. So we weren't going to win a gunfight. And so we had to uh, develop a plan to get the kids the only safe place in the orphanage where you couldn't be shot would be on the top of a rooftop of our one of our buildings, which was high enough up that you couldn't kind of shoot up at it. If, if someone was lying down, you couldn't hit them, you know? Mm-hmm. So the security expert said, okay, we got to get all the kids, get them up on a ladder, this ladder that goes through a little hole that goes up to the roof. Um, 
and then tell them to lie down flat on their stomachs and not get up. And that way, you know, we can fend people off if they're going to try to attack us. So now we're going through all this on top of the fact that now with no electricity, we have no power unless we run the generator. But to run the generator, you have to use diesel fuel and you can't get any more diesel fuel. Everything's closed. So we only have what we have and we only had a half a tank of it left. So we had to ration the electricity. You'd only turn it on for a couple hours and shut it off. And of course, it's 100 degrees. So, you know, you can't run a fan or anything like that. Oh, my God. And uh, all of which is to say that as these people were talking to me, the police, the security people, my friends, everybody, you know, around there in Haiti, and you were hearing the stories of what was going on, it became apparent that there was a possibility that I could die. Now, there aren't too many things in life that you really start to think about, hey, you know, I could die in doing this. I mean, I suppose if you're on a really fast ski hill, you might say, hmm, if I go really fast and went into those woods, I could die. You tend not to believe it, but you could. Uh, Yeah. Maybe you're on a, yeah, mountain climbing. Maybe you're on a small airplane and it starts to sputter. And, you know, real hard turbulence and you say, oh, my God, you start to do that thing in your head where the plane, what's it going to look like when the plane is going down, you know. Um, But here was a case where I realized I'm a stranger in a strange land. You know, I'm an outsider. I'm a foreigner. They just had their president assassinated. Allegedly by foreigners. So they're ipso facto, you know. And, of course, there are examples in Haiti of just a couple months ago, an orphanage was attacked, not after the assassination of a president. It was just attacked. People jumped over the walls. They they shot the owner uh, and uh, beat up his wife. And uh, they raped three of of the girls. (gasps) Yeah, they killed the security guard. And this was an orphanage. Jeez. Yeah, so we're very well aware of these things. And now we have a country with no leader. No leader. There's nobody in office. There's nobody home. Wow. So we're thinking lawlessness can prevail. So that night, oh. we stayed up quite late, and our security guy who came down with us, uh, he's actually a music professor, but he's like an expert in martial arts and all this other stuff, and he, he didn't go to sleep at all, and he wandered the perimeter of our property and did these little signals with the flashlight with the security guards, like two, two, two flashes mean everything's okay, you know, kind of thing. And while the kids slept, I, I couldn't sleep. And, uh, you know, I'm thinking, what would happen if suddenly, you know, we we hear a scuffle out in the yard and there's guys jumping over our wall looking for girls, looking for... They see me, a foreigner, an outsider. They've got guns. They just take me out. It happens all the time. And so I had to start to think about, you know, sudden death which is the kind of death that we don't prepare for. We think about, oh, I'm going to get sick and I might be in a hospital for a long time and I'll go for one. We don't think about quick deaths. On Oops! The Podcast, join me, comedian Julio Gallerati, as I examine everyday life, the mistakes, the bad decisions, the goals, the jokes, the social engagements, and all things in between. I'm joined every week by producer and personal confidant Ryan Lynch, various other comedians for witty, candid, and intoxicating conversation. Our listeners love Oops! for sophisticated banter, aka your mom could listen, and many feel like they're in the room with us chopping it up with old pals. You can find every episode of the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or YouTube. Maury and I had this discussion 
about how people are not prepared to die. They don't really think they're going to die. It's not something that you ever really think about until maybe you get sick and things get really serious or you have one of these moments Mm. where suddenly, you know, you're out on a ledge or you see a car coming at you or you're, you're in an orphanage in Haiti where the president has been assassinated and you wonder, is it true? Could they really be coming for us? In all cases, except those, we tend to poo-poo the idea. Here's Maury talking about that. People are grasping to find what is important. What can they use to help them live a little better? And how can they go on with life knowing that they have to die? See, most people avoid the subject. They deny it. I tell you what that yogi said? Some wise Buddhist person said, everybody knows they're going to die. Nobody believes it. Hmm. Because if you believed it, really believed it, you might not do anything. Right. You know, I mean, I said, what the hell, I'm going to die. Right. So why should I bother? So we have this built-in denial of death as... Maury referred to. We have this built-in thing like, you know, it's not going to happen to me, or I don't want to talk about it, or it's not going to be that way. And, and most of life, you can go through like that, and it's fine. You go through like that, and that's the way you should, because you know, as he said, if you if you kept thinking, I'm going to die, I'm going to die, I'm going to die, you might not do anything at all. You might just be paralyzed. You might say, well, yeah. why, well what's the point of going across the street? I'm just going to die in five minutes. So that's not the way to be either. On the other hand, you do need to have some kind of preparation. And I found that, okay, I needed to start to think about something that Maury had said that rang true with me. And a lot of people who have read the book Tuesdays with Maury have quoted this little story. Here it is. The Buddhists, on the other hand, say, every day have a little bird on your shoulder that says, is today the day? So do you prepare at any moment to go? Mm. Not that you want to go, but you're prepared. And it's not an easy thing to do. Is today the day? Is today the day I die? You ask the little bird on your shoulder, is today the day that I die? And if the bird says yes, are you prepared? Are you prepared? Now, I I uh, admire my wife in this regard greatly because she's a very faith, faithful person, and she believes that she's ready to go whenever her time comes. She's very confident about what's going to happen next. She's confident about how she's led her life here. And she's led a good life, and she's been good to people. She doesn't have the kind of regrets that I do or the kind of apologizing to do that I, I do. She, She's got a pretty she clean She is a slate. good woman. Yeah. Uh, and She's so she like was an much, much mm-hmm. more calm than I was. But I'm thinking, you know, am I prepared? You look down at that little bird on your shoulder and you say, hmm, is today the day? And if that bird says yes, are you prepared? And this taught me like how quickly that day can come. And I have to say, I want to be very honest. I, the answer was no. Like, 
I'm not prepared. Right. I need more time to get everything done that I wanted to do and to be the person that I want to be when I leave this earth. So no, little bird, I'm not prepared. But you don't get Today's to argue. Today. You don't, yeah, but you don't get to argue with the little <laughs> yeah. bird. What's it's the bird who bird tells bird? you. You only get to ask wow. the little bird. Is today the day? The bird says yes or no. The bird has a two-word vocabulary. The bird doesn't say, oh, all right. bird doesn't have that, let me get back to you on that. The bird doesn't have any such vocabulary. You know, it knows two words, yes wow. and no. Did you think of the little bird, by the way, while you yeah. were there? Yeah, and I said, I'm, you know, I'm not prepared for that yes, today's the day you're going to die answer. I'm not prepared for it. Now, I shouldn't say that this is some kind of human a terrible flaw that I have because there were plenty of people, including Maury, who weren't always prepared to die. Listen to him tell me exactly that in this clip. Never thought that was something I should be prepared for. Oh, I knew intellectually that I was going to die someday. But that was way off in the future. I mean, I, there's nothing that I didn't take for granted. So, my friends, my life, my career, my profession, my, you know, writing, all of that was, oh, I start a book. Of course I'm going to finish it. Or I start a semester. I take for granted I'm going to end it. Or I start a friendship. I take for granted it's going to go on. So we don't recognize how that is woven into our life. That whole business of expecting. Now it's important to have that expectation. Otherwise I said you won't go on. Because I was going to say, if you, if you don't kind of have some of that expectation, you're basically living without hope. Right. Yeah, but on the other hand, if you only have that expectation, you're basically living in an illusion. Yeah. So you have to have both. That's a really powerful conclusion. You're living in an illusion. If you think that, if you tell yourself, I'm going to die, I could die any day, it could be today, it's possible that you could get so frozen, so paralyzed that you don't do anything. On the other hand, if you say, oh, I'm not going to worry about it, nothing's going to happen to me, you're living in an illusion. And eventually you'll be proven wrong. Everybody has been. Everyone who's ever said, I'm not going to die, eventually was proven wrong. There's nobody on That's earth who made that sentence and is still around to say, see, I told you so. You know That is true. Yeah. So <clears throat> ask yourself, have there ever been moments in your life when you were really scared and you thought, I could die? Mm-hmm. Did you have time during that moment to reflect on whether you were ready to die? Mm-hmm. I had one. And? I, uh, I was not ready to die, that is for sure. But it was really mm -hmm. scary. It was a scuba diving um, trip. Mm. And uh, I might have talked about it on the show before, but it was literally 40 miles offshore in the middle of the Pacific Ocean off of Palau. I surfaced to no boat, no people, nobody out there. Um, they decided to take off. Yeah. My buddy was down below, and I was in the middle of the Pacific Ocean alone, and wow. I couldn't go back down with the other with the other divers. Um, 
I had to be, you know, I had to be up there uh, by myself. So it was, I really thought I was going to die. I, I had no, um, you know, there's waves, there's stuff that takes you away, that, oh, yeah. that carries you off. How long were you there? Um, uh, I was probably, it was, <clears throat> oh, geez, it seemed like, you know, seven hours, but it was probably in reality about 20 minutes until the boat came. And um, I was able to sort of center myself over the other people and where the bubbles were, but they were down 125 feet. Wow. I was still, I was on the surface. So I had to try to swim to keep near where I could see the other divers. You see, yeah. I had nothing tethering me to anything. It was wow. just me alone in the ocean. And, and so did the I, thought I, of death cross your mind? Oh, then? oh absolutely. Yeah. I, I'm gonna die I with thought it. this and, is and, it. And how did you react to it? Uh, were you braver than I, you thought, I, or, or no, were you crying? No, I was, I was completely in a state of panic. Uh -huh. I mean, and then I kept thinking of things like, um, I mean, this was before that Tom Hanks movie, you know, where he was right, out there with the away. with yeah. the ball, right. and um, you know, um, but I kept thinking like, can I, you know, I had my scuba diving equipment. Can I, can I float on my back? Um, it's a popular dive spot, so I kept thinking some other boat's going to come out here, right? right Somebody right, will see me. Right. Uh, but then what if they don't? There's plenty of times where people don't see the people. Right, right. And it was a shark dive. Let me add that to the oh my equation. Wow. And so I kept thinking, oh, my God, I'm here flailing at the surface on a shark dive, and there's hundreds of sharks underneath me. Right, Like, right. so if Not I don't drown, do. I'm going to get eaten. Oh, <laughs> so, man. It was, it was really, I still have yeah. nightmares about it. I, I never dove again after that. I've yeah. snorkeled, but I won't go diving. Well, that's, um, that's exactly it. What you just described is exactly it. That, those moments that come upon us. So you had that one. I had this one last week. Are we prepared to say, hey, life can end in a blink. It can end mm -hmm. in a blink. Sometimes it's prolonged and drawn out. You know, Maury called ALS is horrible, wonderful disease. Horrible, we all know why, but wonderful because he got a long time to say goodbye to everybody and put everything in order yeah. and get his life. Well, not everybody gets that. Not everybody gets yeah. that. And so ask yourself, if you've ever had one of those experiences in life where you thought, I might die right here, ask yourself, are you ready? And if you're not, then use the time that you get because you got extra time, Lisa, maybe... God intervened and thank God. saved you. Well, there you go. You just thanked them. Uh, maybe God saved us <laughs> this past time down yeah. in the orphanage and we didn't get attacked. But with that added time, so to speak, use it to say the things that you need to say to people, do the things that you need to do for people and with people. Be the person that you want to be remembered as, not the person that needs to get mm -hmm. stuck stuff done now, because it really can be any day that suddenly you go from a beach day to a the president's been assassinated, don't go outside day in, in less than 12 hours. It really yeah. can happen. And we need to check with that bird on our shoulder. And if that bird says, yes, today is the day, you need to say, well, I'm sad, but I'm ready. Well, now that you've experienced this, Mitch, and you left, and now you're here, and you're feeling sort of in a place of safety, I would assume. However, you're going to go back. Yeah. Unlike me with the scuba diving, I, did, I never went diving again. Yeah. Now, how do you feel that? Have you now come to some sort of reconciliation with this to say, this could be my day, next time I go back could be my time? 
are, are you? Do you well, feel like I, you're I'm, more prepared? No, I, I'm going to need more time to get done the things that I want to do, uh, and mm -hmm. to make things right all across the board. But it was a reminder to me that I need to do that, and um, it was a reminder to me that every time I go to Haiti, something like that could happen. So, uh, yeah, I, you know, it was an eye opener. I'm still processing it, to be honest. But uh, I think for our listeners. If you go through something like that, use it. That's what I'm trying to do. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to use it the way Maury taught me to use it. Use it as an example of, mm -hmm. okay, that was the little bird hesitating. <laughs> like mm -hmm. when I said, is today the day? The bird said, uh. <laughs> 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 yeah, uh <laughs> and, and I was like, come on now, say yeah, no. Yeah. <laughs> like, don't, don't put that beak together in a Y shape. Put it in an N yeah. shape. No, 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 you know. Yeah. Uh, so that's what I encourage everybody to do. I hope you never have to go through moments like that. They're wow. very, very scary. Ugh. But uh, use it. Use mine <laughs> if you didn't have one. Yeah. But use mine and get the things in order that you want to get in order. Say the things you want to say later today and do your best so that when that moment comes, you're ready. I'll share more stories from Haiti and, of course, more lessons with you next time we get together. But for now, I'm very grateful to be home. Thank you for all uh, the uh, so nice messages we. that everybody sent me. Um, they were very concerned. And for our kids. Of course, our kids are, are well protected. We have a lot of plans mm -hmm. in place there. And we have that police force on. And, and we grabbed, when, when they opened up again, we grabbed as much food and gas and everything as we can. So we're good for a few more good. weeks when I'll be back down there. And I pray every night for our kids. And I appreciate those of you who do as well. If you uh, enjoyed what you heard here, uh, you can find out more about Tuesday People uh, on the website wetuesdaypeople.com wetuesdaypeople.com you can check on our chat rooms or previous shows all the rest of it and until we get an opportunity to talk again on behalf of Lisa Goich who produces this program I'm Mitch Alpham saying see you next Tuesday thank you for listening to Tuesday People to be part of our conversation join the Tuesday People community at wetuesdaypeople.com Subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss an episode and share it with your friends. We look forward to having you with us every Tuesday because, after all, we're Tuesday people.